0: Dollars and Hops Podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. Here are your hosts, Scott and Lance. Welcome back to the Dollars and Hops Podcast. My name is Lance. I'm one of your hosts, and we're glad you decided to join us here on the pod feed for DHP. What's going on, Scott, to my co-hosts? up in charm city how you doing bro
1: i'm doing well lance i'm getting ready to go out on vacation more i'm going to deep creek lake looking forward to doing some fishing some boating all the, all that fun stuff with the family so, okay um, that's what i'll be doing so uh, glad we snuck nice, in a man. pod here this evening
0: yeah man we barely are getting this one off just had a couple of uh speed bumps some minor mishaps with some kids not going to bed on time so we had a you know put it on pause and deal with that. And uh, now we're back here cranking out another pod. Ravens are winning preseason football games. Everything's good, man. I mean, you know. That's what the Ravens do. They just fun. win preseason <laughs> games.
1: They're great at preseason games. That's John sure.
0: Harbaugh might be the greatest preseason NFL coach of all time. I don't even know if it's a might be. I think he is. I mean, what is it? He is a- 18 and 0? Is it something like that?
1: I don't know. I saw the record the other day. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, it was... Something ridiculous they hadn't lost in it's craziness years in the preseason. So Craziness. Maybe that'll uh, transfer over to the regular season. Let's we can only hope.
0: Things. We can only hope.
1: All right, Lance, let's go ahead and hop into the hops portion of the pod. For those of you that do not know, Lance and I will sip on a craft brew. And at the end, we have our hops showdown where we put them head-to-head. We establish a victor. We rate them. And uh, we have all that information up on our website at dollarsandhops.com. But Lance, what are you sipping on tonight?
0: So tonight we're going all the way out to sunny San Diego, California. I've had some close friends live there over the years, been fortunate enough to go out there and visit. And man, they know their IPAs out in San Diego. I don't know if you realize. Oh yes. I did not know. Oh this. my gosh. Uh, wonderful craft beer scene in San Diego, California. So we're going to be, uh, I've been actually looking for this beer for a while The feature on the pod. I've had it before, but it has, you know, it has been several years since I've even tasted this beer. So I'm very excited to crack it open tonight with you, Scott. Uh, this is from Ballast Point in San Diego, and this is the classic, the Grapefruit Sculpin IPA, um, and excited to rate this one tonight on the pod. Scott, what are you you working with?
1: I will be trying a local brew. This one from Monument City Brewing Company. It's called Nobo. This is a New England, hazy, double dry hopped IPA, which is right inside my box. Super excited about it. And I want to give a shout out to my boy, Ryan, for dropping this beer off for the podcast. Thank you, Ryan.
0: Ryan, the guy, making it happen. Dude, was that your neighbor who was a... a uh, little kid named Ryan when we were you know just little guys in middle school and he was even younger than us and now he's a grown up is that the, the same Ryan
1: different Ryan but a, funny story I actually just met up with him and had a had a beer or two at the at the That's at crazy. the local bar so uh yeah we are we're, we're keeping in touch
0: we're officially old old men now if if he's able to legally have a beer with you in the, in a in an establishment <laughs> that serves alcohol at the 21 year years of age or older. That's uh that's pretty crazy because he was just in diapers, I remember, when we were like in middle school or something. But uh
1: it's been a while since then. Anyway, <laughs> but yes. It has been a while. <laughs>
0: it has been. Oh man.
1: All right, Lance, let's go ahead and get into the headline of the week. This one reads, Will you really need long-term care? The odds are higher than you might think. This comes from money.com and it, it just really looked at the likelihood that you would actually need long-term care. And what are we talking about when we say long-term care? It basically means um, either assisted living or nursing home care at some point in your life. Um, so consider this. A 65-year-old couple has a 75% chance that one of them will need long-term care. And a twenty five at some
0: point in their in their lives. At some point, at some in their point. Lives
1: before they die. Yeah. And a 25% chance that they will both need long-term care at some point okay. in their life. And That's it is data. and it is true that like, you know, they might not need long term care for a long period of time, but they might need it for a period of time. Um so if you're a 65 year old male, you have about a forty four percent chance of needing long term care at some point in your remaining life. If you're a female that's 65, 56% chance that you would need long term care at some point in your life. Now, the difference is a female tends to uh, spend more on long term care because their life expectancy is is, is longer. So, about $183,000 is the average that somebody that needs long term care actually spends on long term care. And for a male,
0: long-term care, we're talking about like assisted living facilities, like um, facilities, especially like memory care facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if long-term acute care, l would count, um, but but uh, really s- sort of n- any type of nursing home, assisted living, skilled nursing facility. That's what we mean when, when we're, or that's what the industry means when they're talking about long-term care insurance and long-term care facilities, right? Is, is that a fair question?
1: Yeah. Statement. Yeah, it is. And and obviously like from person to person, I mean this can vary significantly as far as how much we're talking. Um like 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 I said the average for a female that needs it is spending $183,000, but there's people that spend more than that because that's just the average. Uh and then for a male yeah. it's about $123,000 for uh you know somebody that actually that's needs a lot. it. So It is a significant amount of money, Um, and uh, you know Medicare doesn't cover long-term care. Medicaid does cover long-term care, but you have to income qualify. So basically, you have to basically spend down um, your assets and have no money coming in.
0: No, no, no. (laughs) Knock against you know any sort of. Uh, let me see, I want to phrase this uh, kindly. If Medicaid is going to be covering long-term care, it's probably not going to be top tier or top couple tier long-term care. Like anything else, there's going to be like very nice ones and there's going to be ones that are going to be not as nice. There's yeah, just the way it works, I've seen right? this so,
1: firsthand for sure. I mean, there's, okay. there's definitely, yeah. the, the Medicaid option is not an option right. that, more than likely you want to be on. I think that there's probably nice places where, you know, the Medicaid option does work, but I would say, you know, in the vast majority of circumstances that it it may not be your first choice. Yeah. So, mm. I I yeah. just think it's important to throw out there it, it the, the statistics the statistics are pretty crazy in the, you know, I mean, you're looking at about half of people that make it to 65 are going to need long-term care and you know, I think you yeah, and that's I, wild. I
0: th- that is wild to think about in, our yeah.
1: generation. I think most of us just with medical, uh, you know, advances are probably going to live to 65. So this is something that we need to kind of think about when we're planning for retirement. Um, you know, th-
0: this is really helpful. I- I've heard this said many times, um, is that when you're thinking and planning for things like this, facts are your friends and emotions can kind of get in the way and cloud judgment. But look at the data, some of the data that Scott just, you know, spit out here. That's that's in this article that we're going to link to in the show notes. Um, you know, facts are your friends. And uh, I actually just first started learning about long-term care insurance and what it was and why was it important um, from Dave Ramsey. You know, we're coming off that episode um, that was the last episode we put out. But that's when I started even learning about it. And he said he has a statistic. Also, it's kind of like this but it's another data point to be thinking about. And it's the average um, nursing home stay in America is about two and a half years. And so that's helpful to know so that you can put a dollar amount to it of, you know, whether what kind of place you would be looking at, what would it cost? And then two and a half years, if you game plan for that, well, that's the average stay. Well, why is that the average stay? Because you die. We're all going to die at some point. And And, you know, so I think that actually helped me think about it because I'm like, you're not talking about most of the time, you're not talking about a five or 10 year or 15 year stay, which would be astronomical and could feel unattainable to like, how do I even, oh, so I'll go ahead and buy long term care insurance because that's my fear. You know what I mean? When in reality, a two and a half year stay is the average um, nursing home stay, skilled nursing facility stay. In America yeah and, and today and, and
1: you mentioned it Lance the the uh, long-term care insurance is definitely a way to protect yourself here um, the other way to protect yourself is to start saving in an HSA now
0: love it love
1: that right so we w- that's a, yeah. we had that HSA hack episode I mean mm-hmm. I can't think of a better <laughs> of a better thing than to build up the HSA yeah over all you know your working career and to have a big pot of money to cover something like this if it does come up you know later on down the road so
0: there, there's also an, uh, another statistic I'll throw out throughout here um, that I've heard is that if you live to be at least 60 years old there's like an incredibly high percentage chance that you're gonna live like another 25 years yeah um, and that's just really interesting to me um, but also you know that, that means if you want to pay for long-term care insurance, let's say when you turn 60, it might be reasonable to do that. You might be paying that for 20, 30, 30 years, 40 yeah, yeah, years yeah. and without needing it. And so I like Scott's option a lot better with, you know, loading up that HSA if you can and kind of having that in your back pocket as like, that's your long-term care insurance policy, really. Yeah. And, and you own it and you decide where it goes.
1: Certainly. Love it. All right, Lance, let's go ahead and hop into the main topic here. We're talking about Wills. And Wills. Wills, which Man, what an exciting topic. Oh, I, know. An exciting, I couldn't sleep last night because I was thinking, oh my gosh, we get to
0: talk about Wills <laughs> on the pod. If you if you're listening to this and this this uh this title gripped you enough to click on this episode <laughs> to listen to it, let me just say we are glad. You are here. You're a loyal we're so listener. Glad you're a you're loyal. You're loyal. Uh, either that or you just want to learn more about wills, which is cool too. And we're gonna we're gonna dig into it. So, Scott, what what is a will?
1: So a will is really what's used to decide where your assets transfer to in the event that you pass away. So you can't take your assets with you. Where are they gonna go? A will decides where those things go. If you don't have a will, There's a process called probate court and the state will decide where your assets go. So if you, um, you might, you might be sitting there (laughs) thinking, well, you know, I don't have a whole bunch of assets or I've got limited number of assets. And like, do I really need a will? Well, if you've got kids and if you have a bank account with money in it and you have a house a car Uh, or you have a car. Yeah. I mean, any of that, it would be good to have a will, even if it's a very basic will, something, something that you can just go online and use a software for. Um, you should have one, but I found it interesting. I was doing some research for this, for this episode. There was AARP put out a study. Six in 10 adults do not have a will adults that's six and 10
0: adults do not have a will that is unacceptable that's really so the majority of the
1: people listening to this do not have a will bad news and um i mean even if you've got pets let's say you're let's say you're, you're 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 single and you got you got a dog you should probably have a will i got my i got my dog specifically in my will lance there's a lot of stipulations in my will about my dogs. Who gets money for my dogs? I
0: know they're not coming to me. I can tell you that right now.
1: They're not coming to you. <laughs> I have <laughs> I have great guardians for for the dogs. I love it. Heaven I forbid anything happened to good. Courtney and I. I mean, you know, somebody be, right? Somebody be there to uh, take care of the pups. But that, that's good.
0: It's good planning, though. You know, you think about it. It's like what what's important to you now, when you're gone. Who would you want to take care of those things? Um, You know, whether they're assets, like Scott said, um, and you would be able to use them to bless other people, or whether they're children, or whether they're... I mean, think about having the state decide who's going to take care of your kids, if you have kids. I can't can't imagine. Because the government is well-known for its ability to take care of lots of great things that are important, (laughs) right? It's It's like... that's what i I really want to trust the government (laughs) i want to trust the government to decide what's best for my children uh no thank you i will decide that my wife and i will decide that as their legal guardians and parents and um yeah i mean i just think um it's it's a big discussion and it's it's pretty simple like we got a few other things we're going to go through about what a will is and and why it's important and we're kind of already hitting these ideas but It's pretty simple. If nothing else, let this episode kind of give you a kick in the butt to just say, man, if you don't have a will, you need to get one. Or if you do have one, when's the last time you updated it? Have you had any big life events happen since you've had that will drawn up? You know, yeah. have you, did
1: you get married? Did you get divorced? Yeah. I mean, do you have yeah. kids? I mean, all of those things.
0: Did, did you adopt you know? a kid like we right. did? And like I, got, I actually have to get that updated on mine. It's like everything's there, and I have an estate plan, but I don't know if I, I've actually sat down and and a, and added that to the plan yet. Right. But I need to. I need to do that. Right. So it's a, it's a constant check and balance where we should be checking in with kind of our our will health, I guess you could call it, and be thinking about like, man, how's my will looking? Is, is it everything up to date? Does my, does my, it's a close friend or the executor of the will or or my spouse, my partner, do, do they know where the will is located? Right. That's another big one because if you're, if you're gone unexpectedly, that would be tragic and horrible, but you know, logistically or practically speaking, would they even know where to go to find the will? Do you have like a fire safe box that's like, those things are like 40 bucks at Walmart, man. They're not that expensive.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And you get a fire safe box, you put all your important documents in there and, and just let somebody know, this, hey, this is where my will is, you know, it might not be a bad idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, to go back over some of this, so a will allows you to um, decide who inherits which assets and when they should receive them. Decide who will manage your estate as an executor or a trustee. It will select a guardian for any minor children. And I thought this was interesting. It will also, you you can also set it up to um, basically provide instructions for any business that you may have owned or set up the sale of a business that you may Mm. have owned. So, um, this goes beyond just your, your assets. I mean, if you have a business, um, and you want to make sure certain someone in particular is running that business when, when you pass on, this is a great way to make sure that that happens. Hmm. I mentioned before, there's two types of, of property in the eyes of the law. There's basically the non-probate property. That's stuff that is not decided. That's basically decided by your will. And then there's probate property, anything that you fail to uh, disclose in your will or name in your will, or if you don't have a will, it goes through the probate process and the court will decide where those assets go. So it's important to understand kind of those two distinctions. Basically, if you have a will, pretty much everything will be non-probate property and will follow that process. Um, which is a lot easier of a process than having to fight for those assets from from for a loved one or or one of from one of your loved ones trying to get your assets. So um, now I haven't had
0: a personal experience with this yet, Scott, but I I believe you have. And I believe mm -hmm. it was fairly recently. Am I right? A
1: few years back. Yeah. For my grandmother.
0: So right. You were the executor of the will. Uh,
1: Yeah. The executor of the estate. Yep and the will
0: which basically of the estate and the will which basically means you were you were the one executing the will and testament of your grandmother. Correct. You're the one who's making her decisions her last will and testament come true. You're the one who's executing those decisions. Yep. That's where the the word executor comes from. Um I would just assume from what I've heard and it sounds like you just answered this question but when something goes through probate court instead of because it wasn't caught up in the will it wasn't accounted for in the will i would imagine that's not a quick process
1: no it's not so um there's like when when somebody dies and you are the executor you have to like put like a public filing out i don't know we had to put like an ad in the newspaper that basically said you know that that my grandmother had passed there's um a time period i can't remember what it was um in the state that that we did it in but i think it was like it was like either 3 or 6 months that we had to keep the estate open uh before we could basically distribute all the assets uh because anybody that you know had a, had a, a you know a debt claim could basically put, put one in against the estate that money's supposed to come out. But long story short, like anything that was named like asset wise that was named in the will, like she had a car, like that went to the person that she designated for the car immediately. Uh, We didn't have to go. We didn't have to go through the, through the, you know, the probate process at all for that. We had to wait to actually close out the estate until that time period had passed. But having the will there just made everything so much easier and, and faster. And and it made it a lot easier for, for, for me as the executor. Um, you know, everything was kind of laid out for me. Okay. This is what she wants to yep. have happen here. And this is what she wants to have happen here. And there's no, there's no bickering the, from a, there's from no a family, family drama, right? Because <laughs> exactly. it's, it's like, I
0: didn't, I didn't make the decision. This is what grandma wanted. And this is right. what we're going to do. And legally it's what we have to do. But it's also what we're going to do. Um, I just thanks for sharing that. I just think it's um, it's helpful sometimes to have a real life example because a will can be kind of a theoretical document that's living somewhere. And, you know, in all of our minds, we I would imagine none of us like to really dwell on our death, (laughs) which is why I think a lot of people don't make wills. You think about why? Well, here's why, because you have to really think in detail about your death.
1: Right. And that's hard. That's That's hard hard to do, man.
0: It's, It's hard to do, but it's also necessary to do. And I just want to give your grandmother some praise here on our podcast, man, for real. Because the fact that she wrote a will, that she took the time to do that, you know, it made your job easier, made all of her assets go exactly where she wanted it to go. And she left a legacy because of that. And even part of that legacy is just caring enough and loving her family enough to take the time to make a will.
1: Yeah, that's what I think you need to like think about this in your mind as. So, as as difficult as it is to think about your death, think about how difficult it would be on your family members if you died and you didn't have a will and you had to put all of that weight on somebody. Yeah. To 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 do on your behalf. Really, yeah. this is th- these are your wishes that and and other people don't know what they are. Right. Your wishes might be different than what, you, you know, what, what your child's thinks they are. Um, yeah. so, so, so just keep that in mind. So, you know, we're, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here, but, um. No, I think it's
0: good. I think it's actually a great discussion. I, I think, because I think a lot of people listening maybe don't have wills and it's just easy to tuck it away and file it back. Like, oh yeah, I get to that. That's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. But if you don't have one, I guess what Scott and I are saying is like, no, it's really more of like a front burner thing. Like you gotta take care of it now because you don't yep. know, you don't know when your time's up. And all of our time will be up at some point.
1: Yep, no doubt. So how do you get a will? We we're talking yep. about how I, well, yeah, yeah. you have to have one. We we're saying you gotta have one.
0: How do I get one? Scott, so how do I get one?
1: There there's kind of two main options here. Number one is to hire an attorney uh that does wills, estates, and trusts. Um, I would recommend this for kind of more compli- complicated situations. So like if you have a business or you have a lot of money, a lot of yeah. different assets,
0: a high or,
1: or if you're just not the DIY type and you're just not sure, or you're scared that you might do it wrong, hire an attorney to do it. It, it will cost you probably a couple grand, maybe, maybe a thousand dollars or more. Um, but it'll at least give you the peace of mind that you got it all, you got it all done and you got it all done properly. The other option is, um, there's, there's some low cost software options out there. So I'm going to name off a, f- a few, like different websites where you can actually go to create your own will. Um, some of these are actually free. So legal zoom is one, uh, Quicken Willmaker plus Fabric.com and Freewill.com are both free options. So Fabric.com and Freewill.com are free options and then com. So those kind of five websites are easier and cheap ways to create a less complicated will, I, I yeah. would say. And the, even if you create this, Uh, yourself like on on one of these websites you still have to follow a process to actually make it legally binding Mm. do you know about this Lance Uh,
0: I think I did I think I I went through it um, about a year ago but it was in our deep dark black hole of everything that we were going through back then (laughs) did you do it with
1: an attorney or did you do it on your own
0: I had a, a very very generous, gracious attorney friend who was walking oh, with me through awesome. it. And he really, he really took care of our family, man. He's, he's a good friend and um, it he, he did all this for me. So I, I think that this, uh, this is kind of ringing a bell now, but yeah, to, I mean, so to make it legally binding, there's a lot of signatures. I know, I know that
1: there are. So you have to have two disinterested witnesses to verify that you are of sound mind at the time of signing so these could be they could be co-workers, but they can't be people that are actually named in the will, or would be directly or indirectly benefiting from the That's will. itself. That's So interesting!
0: I did not know those details. That's really fascinating. And
1: like, yeah. yeah. And then you have to have them sign an affidavit of attesting witnesses, basically, and have a, a notary authorize the affidavit. Mm-hmm. You have to sign your will. Then you have to store it in a safe place, and basically make sure that the executor, the person that would actually be carrying out your wishes in the event that you pass, knows where the will is stored. That's how you make it so legally binding. I,
0: you know, I'm going to take this time to just let our listeners know that for Carolyn and I, for our family's will and testament, um, Scott, my co-host, is actually the executor of our will. So let this be another, uh, I guess, documented, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) audio file out there that in my untimely passing and my wife's untimely passing that uh, Scott would be, you know, but um, he knows that it's here in this fireproof safe box that I have. It's actually right here in my studio, right down here to my left. And uh, it just sits in there in a binder. And he knows that he's going to execute that bad boy if he ever has to. Um, and it's, it's pretty thick, man. So I apologize up front, but it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there.
1: I, you know, I, I, you know what, <laughs> I'll figure it out, Lance, but let's let, uh, hopefully I don't have to. All right. <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not.
0: But that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just gives me peace of mind though. Knowing like I, I chose my executor to be like one of my closest friends, um, on the planet who knows me really well. And who also knows my financial picture, my family's financial picture really well, and whom I trust. And that's really, that's how I chose Scott to be our executor um, for our will. And so be thinking about that too. When you're making a will, you have to think about who's going to execute this thing when you're gone. Um, it, you know, you want somebody who is competent, who is smart, who is loyal, honest, and trustworthy, um, and who you know is going to be do a thorough and a good job of dis- dispersing all the assets and taking the time to really, Execute the desires of your will. So look, that's that's a will. That's why you need one. Hopefully we were convincing. If you don't have one, for real, sit down, go to one of these free websites at least and just glance through it and start the process. And hopefully you'll see that you really do need one on file and it should change over time as your life changes. All right, we're gonna move right on into some questions that need answers. Hey, if you have a question that you'd like Scott or myself to tackle here on the pod. Um, it, you could even tell maybe, maybe you were like, Hey, this question's for Scott or this question's for Lance. That'd be cool too. We wouldn't be offended by that. We could, we could handle that. Um, go ahead and send it in. You can email it to questions at dollars and hops.com. Or you can go ahead and DM us on Instagram or uh, you know, go ahead and text each one of us. If you have our cell phone numbers and you're good friends, uh, we would love to uh, take care of some of those questions and, kind of wrestle with it here on the podcast for all to hear and listen and learn from. Uh, That's why we're here, right? So uh, this first question here is from John. And uh, Scott, this one's for you. I am a new listener and enjoy the podcast. I'm following your financial playbook. I have saved up an emergency fund and I am now working to pay down credit card debt. I received a solicitation in the mail for a 0% APR credit card. For eighteen months, if I transfer my balance to them, are there any downsides to doing this while I'm trying to pay down debt? Thanks, Scott.
1: Help us out, John. I really appreciate the uh, the question, and glad to hear that you're working on that financial playbook. Um, so, balance transfer cards can actually be a great way to pay down your debt faster. Um, Especially in this circumstance, you're saying a 0% APR credit card for 18 months. The, The only downside with these balance transfers are that most of them will actually come with a fee on the whole balance that you're transferring. So they might be saying, hey, you're not paying any interest for 18 months, but they might charge you interest upfront on the entire balance that you're transferring over to them. So you would need to make sure that um, whatever uh, amount of money that you're transferring over isn't an amount of money that you would pay off in a short period of time because you might actually pay more in interest um, upfront by doing the balance transfer than you would if you just paid it off quickly. Now, if you're in a situation where it's going to take you a really long period of time and you're you're paying on credit cards that have 15, 20% interest rate, um, and you're not going to be out of that debt for a long time. A balance transfer card offer such as this might make some sense for you. So I would just do the math. I would also read the fine print because we see that, you know, the, those big bolded 0% APR credit card offer for 18 months, we see that that grabs us. But a lot of times, the in the mice type, it actually says what the fee is to transfer the balance. So that's what you want to make sure you know of up front. You also want to, you know, understand and, and know how long it's going to take you to pay off this debt to even make sure it's, it's, it's worth it. So just look at the fine print. It can make sense. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not against these balance transfer cards, um, you know, at, at all, but, but just know what you're getting into. So that, that's how I would answer it.
0: There's, all, you know, that's that's good, Scott. I think there's also something to in paying down like something like credit card debt, where you're like, "Oh, I don't ever want to have credit card debt again." Right? It's a bad thing. We don't like it here on Dollars right. House Podcast. Um, there's something to. Uh, I'm not saying that you wouldn't take it if you if you could get zero percent for eighteen months, no fees. I would probably take it and still pay it off. But there's something to the pain receptors in your brain kind of being triggered more by without taking a shortcut, right? So by, t- by paying it off.
1: Is this, is this Dave Ramsey no, no, no. talking? Or is this no, no, nice? no, 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 <laughs> no, Listen, I'm
0: telling you, I do love some Dave and I'll defend. I'm just saying by going that route, it's kind of, I, you almost kind of sear your brain in such a way where you're like, this hurts. This is painful. I'm not doing this again. Um, versus taking a shortcut and then kind of paying it off. You might, you know, the recidivism rate, you like that word, recidivism, the rate of which you might reoccur, meaning credit card debt,
1: okay, might might yeah. be a
0: higher rate if you were to take a shortcut and get out the easy way. Now, all that being said, if I can get a 0% transfer and get out and it's going to cost me less money to get out, I'm going to take it all the time. But it's just something else to think about because it's behavior, it's human behavior. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, makes sense. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, it is. I like
1: it. Yeah. All right, Lance, we got another question here. This one's from Jason. Jason. How do you feel about investing companies like AngelList? That's it, Lance.
0: <laughs> That's it. Uh, Jason, you texted me this uh, this week. Thank you for that. And we decided to kind of highlight this in the pod because I thought I had an idea what AngelList was when you texted it to me, but then Scott and I were looking it up before the podcast and I realized I'd never actually heard of this but it, it was a little bit of what I thought it was. So what AngelList is, for those of you who don't know, is like um, it allows maybe the public to get in on early round investing for startup companies across the country or across the world even that aren't yet public or aren't yet maybe up and running and generating a profit. So they need, they need investment dollars. So there's a ton of kind of watch outs here. That Scott and I were kind of talking about before we hit record on this episode. Um, This is extremely high risk. You could absolutely lose all your money and not get any return. Uh, You know, so think about this when you are a lot of these deals we were looking up just like, well, what what are these deals? A lot of these funds are individuals who um, have a fund and they're investing in all these kind of startup companies. And to get in, it's going to cost you five or ten or twenty thousand dollars every three months, every quarter. That's a that's a lot of money, first of all, and it's also a lot of money um, at high risk, high reward. So, okay, so the higher the risk, the higher the reward. Sure, you could hit a home run and really knock it out of the park, but with that comes a lot higher risk. Not to mention higher fees. Some of these fees were at the 1.25%, 1.5%, even 2% that we saw just in glancing through the website. I'm sure there might be some higher ones. Whereas with index funds, which we like, are going to be (laughs) 0.03% or 0.00% to get you access to well-established companies on the stock market in the S&P 500 index fund that are producing profits. Um, by the services and the goods and the products they're they're selling in the marketplace. So as a comparative, I'm just kind of I want to draw S&P 500 index fund just as because we've done episodes on it and it's easy to kind of talk about. So angel list, extremely high risk; you could lose all your money. Um, extremely high fees compared to a low cost index fund, ETF, mutual fund, anything like that. Another thing is liquidity so if I'm putting five or ten or twenty thousand dollars every three months which is a ton of money um, into this I when, can I just pull it out whenever I want can you know when when can I access my money just the principle not even the growth um, those are things that concern me and then finally Scott had a great point that investing in these smaller companies that are startups they don't have the same oversight they don't have the same uh, visibility as publicly traded companies on the stock market do. That's just a fact. So you are more likely—I'm not saying you will—but you your chances are higher of running into a scam or a company that not only is going to fail, but maybe that is um, doing some shady things that they shouldn't be doing. So, I yes, there there is potentially high reward. I think this is really Jason a like way down the road in wealth building. I think I think if you had a net worth of well over a million dollars, maybe multiple millions of dollars, I could and and, and this was interesting to you and kind of got your got your excitement up and you like this kind of thing, I think at that point I might say, yeah, it's okay to kind of try it as a as a small percentage of your net worth. But because of all the reasons I listed, I really don't like this as an investment strategy, as a plan. And I would rather see either something like real estate with a rental property or index funds that are tracking the entire stock market or the S and 500 or growth index over long periods of time at a low expense ratio, low cost. We like that a lot better.
1: Yeah. And, and not to mention like the, like where's your money going? <laughs> you kind of don't know. And I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the yeah. website right now What's the typical exit timeline when you get your money back? Most commonly, seven to 10 year lifespans on these managed funds. So seven to 10 years, if you want your money early. At this time, investors can't liquidate their positions prior to the portfolio company exit or liquidation of the fund at the end of its life cycle so if you want your money in an index fund you sell your your shares on the open market the next trading day and you can have your money in your account in probably three days in
0: a minute in in two minutes you can
1: that yeah maybe yeah it could be faster three days probably worst case scenario yeah but these sorts of things. It's like, you don't know where the money's going. I'm looking at like these average returns that they have on their websites. It's like 10 between 10 and 18%. Um, really? That's it. That's what it says. But to me, there's so much risk that goes along with trying to get that 8% that it's like, it seems crazy. So (laughs) that's just, you know, uh, that's, that's my two cents there. So, Anyway, Lance, yeah. let's hop Good in. Good question, to- Jason.
0: Thank you for bringing that to our attention because we we had not heard of this and we love learning about new trends and especially in investing But or, or new websites that are doing new things. We love to be apprised of all that kind of stuff. So thank you f- for real very much. Thank you very much for sending us that question.
1: Yeah, very interesting. All right, Lance, let's go ahead and hop into the Hops Showdown portion of the pod. Lance, you want to start us off with your brew from... San Diego, California?
0: Oh, yeah. Ballast point. Uh, yeah, I will start us off. So let me just paint the picture for y'all here. This thing poured beautifully. It um, had been such a long time since I've had this that it was basically like having it all over again for the first time. Uh, it was not hazy. This is an IPA that um, definitely had some grapefruit notes in it. You can really taste it. But you can kind of see through it. and It's kind of got that orangish ish um, kind of clear color to it, a nice um, you know, nice head on it as you're pouring it into the glass and man, it's just smooth. This is 7.0% alcohol by volume and it does not taste like it. It's, it's just got the grapefruit just cuts it in a perfect way. And it's, it's light. It is a light IPA, which I know it doesn't sound like it, but it really does have that light flavor citrus grapefruit. And the IPA is always a winner for me. Dude, this is a great beer, and uh, we're we're up in the game. We're up in the quality of the beer. We're going outside of just the Carolinas now, and when you do stuff like that, you get higher scores, man. This is a ninety-four easily. Whoa! And, I, and I'm that's being, a monster score I, for you. I I feel like I could go. I feel like it could have gone higher, but I just um, I didn't want I didn't want to get too carried away. We're gonna go ninety-four. It's it's for sure easily a ninety-four. It could be
1: higher. All right, Lance. That sounds good. I might have to try that one. This one uh that I was sipping on was from Monument City Brewing Company out of Baltimore, Maryland. This one's called Nobo. The Northbound. Nobo. New England. Hazy Double Dry Hopped IPA. Thank you again, Ryan, for the beer. It it was pretty much right up my alley. Um I mean, just a just a very standard hazy, citrusy, tropical, <laughs> you know, nice yellow, just right up your wheel. Out.
0: just right down the middle. Just he just just took a crack at it. Didn't it you? was beautiful. Just a, yeah, it was great. Took I mean, a swing. I feel
1: like you know, hazies they start out pretty high for me. Um, I, I I'm I'm not going to put it in the 90s. Um, I just thought it was just it was just a little bit just a little too too light for me. So I'm gonna go 89, highly recommend it. It's great. Don't get me wrong, fantastic beer. But Lance, you're gonna take this hops showdown.
0: The Grapefruit Sculpin' IPA.
1: Mm. All right, we're gonna leave you with our action step. If you don't have a will, take action today to set one up. Now, if you have a will already, make sure the information contained within the will is still accurate and that nothing needs to be updated. Make sure you decide what happens to your assets upon your passing. You worked hard for your property and your assets, so don't let someone else decide where it goes. Take control and get a will completed as soon as possible.
0: Get it done. This is Lance. This is Scott. Live and give on less than you make and invest the difference. Dollars and Hops out. You have been listening to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Optimizing your financial future starts with taking action today. Got a question? Shoot us an email at questions at dollarsandhops.com and the guys will tackle it on a future episode. Visit our website, dollarsandhops.com, for show notes and the craft brew lineup for each episode. And please, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.